Have y'all ever met someone who stared down a 2% survival rate and then turned around and conquered the rodeo circuit? Buckle up, because today's guest, Kendra Laney, is a living legend of resilience and reinvention. This champion barrel racer and rodeo queen didn't just defy the odds. She harnessed that fighting spirit to become a social media mastermind, helping countless entrepreneurs reach their wildest dreams. Now, Kendra's journey ain't just your typical rags to riches story. Sure, she's a viral TikTok fame and scaling businesses and scaling businesses to seven figures, but there's also a deep well of wisdom forged in the face of adversity. From therapeutic horseback riding during her childhood battle with cancer to grit and determination honed on the radio circuit, Kenda's past is the fuel that propels her present hustle. But here's the thing, y'all. Kenda's not just about trophies and follower counts. She's about cracking the code of online engagement, using the power of psychology to turn followers into loyal customers, and building thriving communities that support and inspire. So get ready to ditch the algorithm blues and dive deep into Kenda's playbook. We're talking actionable tips, real-life case studies, and a whole lot of heart as we unlock the secrets to building a life and business that truly thrives. So whether you're a seasoned entrepreneur or just starting out, grab your notebook, your entrepreneurial spirit, and maybe even a cowboy hat or cowgirl hat. I know <laughs> it's optional, but highly encouraged because Ken Delaney is here to show you how to turn your dreams into reality, one psychology-driven strategy at a time. Get ready for a conversation that's equal parts inspiring, practical, and down-home Texas realness. This is Bedroom Talks like you've never heard it before. Hey, y'all. Get under the covers and get comfortable because we're about to get intimate. No, not that kind of intimate, but close. Did you know that three of the most intimate conversations we can have are sex, mental health, and finances? Probably didn't expect that last one, did you? Financial challenges are actually one of the leading causes of divorce and stress today. A big reason? We don't talk about it. At least not thoroughly, anyhow. That's where I come in. Hi, I'm Dr. Michelle Marie, a certified wealth coach, best-selling author, and the creator of Bedroom Talks. Get Financially Intimate, a podcast focused on bringing awareness to the importance of financial intimacy and enticing openness to get real in a judgment-free zone. Together, we're going to cover a multitude of financial topics so you can leap toward financial freedom with confidence. Are you ready? Grab your wine or whatever drink you prefer and let's unrobe this topic. Okay, first off, I just to say that I didn't even remember that my podcast intro has something in there about leaping and that just, you know, leaping and the, you know, horses and, you know, it just kind of all goes together. So I think it was just, just perfect to have you on. But welcome. So glad Thank to have you, you Kenda. Thanks for having me. Wow, your intro made me sound so cool. I was like, wow, I'm so awesome. 
<laughs> I, you know what? Not gonna lie, I get that every single time. But like, I can't take all the credit. I just take what you give me, and I use a little assistance with from AI, and you know, we just roll with it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um. So, uh, this is just. I'm absolutely honored uh, to have you on my podcast because one, like you reached out to me and mm -hmm. I'm not used to people doing that. Like somebody going, Hey, I want to be on your podcast. And I'm like, how did you even find me? <laughs> <laughs> and I think if I remember correctly, our conversation was you actually saw something of mine on social media, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, a real so social weird. media works. <laughs> it works. It definitely does. <laughs> so um, the concept here today, because I mean, obviously my podcast is about um, getting real about finances, right? Well, I also have a lot of people that are um, either full-time or part-time business owners. You know, they're, they're trying to make extra money or they're trying to survive on their business. And so it requires utilizing social media, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a couple of facets here that I remember we wanted to go into. One um, is kind of giving, you know, some some insight and some tips and some encouragement on how to maximize social media to your advantage so that you could be successful. But also like you have a story of mm -hmm. some things that you've went through that I really think could relate not just to some of the people who are listening to this, but also to parents. Mm -hmm. and yeah. how to kind of help your children be successful, right? Mm -hmm. So I definitely um, would love to get into both of those pieces. So I'm going to open it up and really just let you decide where would you like to start the conversation? Oh, my gosh. Well, <laughs> we can <laughs> – we could just kind of start from the beginning with what you mentioned with social media and business owners and kind of what they cool. need. Cool. Awesome. <laughs> okay. So um, let's say that somebody is like, you know, they've been, you know, maybe in business for a couple of years, maybe they're doing this part time and they don't have a ton mm -hmm. of time and they're like, okay, well, how do I um, utilize social media to my advantage in the limited time do I, that I have? Like, how would that work? Yeah. So I think that's a really common misconception that a lot of people have is that social media has to take a long time and that it should be taking a lot of time because for me, for our clients, that's just not the case. I was on TikTok Live this morning and somebody was asking me how much time I create, I spend on creating content. And she was like, how many hours do you spend every day? And I just, I laughed because I was like, a day? <laughs> Try like a couple hours a week, if even. Um, and so even though my entire business revolves around social media, my life doesn't. And so mm. I want that to be the case for our clients and, and honestly for everybody because social media is such a powerful tool. And if you know how to leverage it, then it can give you so much space to be able to do the other things that you actually want to do, be it things in your business or your life, whatever that is. So I think when it comes to social media, the the very first hurdle that people have to get over is like just saddle up and post. Like you have to just post. You're going to be nervous. You're going to look stupid. Like your first videos are not going to be good. But you're never going to get to the good videos if you don't just start posting. And if you overthink, 
literally, and I hear so many people, they're like, I'm a perfectionist when it comes to my content. So what I'm hearing is that you're procrastinating. Mm. That's what's really happening here. So, I mean, that's the first thing is like just getting started. And my goodness, just getting people beyond that first hurdle is such a feat. Um, but then when it when it comes to actually posting and creating content in a way that is going to be impactful and effective for you, but also not going to take all of your time, it really comes down to two things. Understanding your audience and knowing them so well, knowing them sometimes better than they know themselves, and understanding how to infuse sales psychology into your content. Because ultimately, what you're trying to do with social media is likely to generate income, right? And so mm-hmm. if you don't understand what elements of someone's psyche is going to activate them to buy, you're literally just like throwing crap at a wall. It's not doing anything for you. So mm-hmm. when you have that deep understanding and then you can infuse those elements, marketing and sales is so easy. It's so easy. Wow. Um, you know, it's it's interesting because, yeah, we think it's so like complicated or takes so much work, right? But think yeah. about it. Think of some of the best commercials or ads that you have seen that have actually worked on you, right? Yeah. Go and study those. Like really take a look and listen to what they're saying. Mm-hmm. There's pieces of each one of them, right? I, I, yeah. And I'm sure you could go into more more detail there. Um, but that's kind of, I feel like that's kind of what you're getting at is there's pieces and elements to every single ad and commercial. And really when you're on social media and you've got, shoot, today you don't even have 30 seconds of somebody's <laughs> time. You've got to do yeah. it in like seven seconds, right? Like how do you yeah. capture someone's attention really in the first three seconds to get them to keep listening, but also maintain their attention. Yeah. And the thing is, is like even just getting in front of people, you have to have a certain amount of watch time and engagement just to have your content served to more people. So you have the chance to get in front of the right people. And so what what's going to set you apart when people are scrolling social media and literally every single time they open the app, they're scrolling past thousands of pieces of content in a single mm-hmm. sitting. And so when when you put that in perspective, how is your one piece of content going to grip them when they're scrolling past thousands of pieces of content? Now, in my personal opinion, I think that the only way to do that is to tap into the psychology of it because that's One, it's the only thing that you can control. You can't control the algorithm. You can control how your post is perceived and how you deliver it and whether or not that's going to be activating to your consumer. And so when you do the market research, what we really want our our audience to have a good understanding of is the fact that there are four types of buyers, which means that there are four different personality types and behaviors that people exhibit when they're going to make a purchase decision and specific things that each of those types takes into consideration before they buy. So we've got our more assertive buyers. We've got amiable or I'm sorry, expressive and amiable are your more emotional buyers. 
they're your people that buy based off of um, brand kind of relationship and customer experience and community and exclusivity and all of those emotional kind of triggers. So like iPhone more- users. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or no, Samsung. If you're the Samsung person, you're like, I'm never going to leave Samsung. I get it. Mm. Well, and what you'll find is that your Samsung and Android user- users tend to be more analytical because they're the people that want to really be able to customize things. They they mm-hmm. want that kind of openness that Apple doesn't really have. Yeah. Whereas a lot of people enjoy the the cleanliness and kind of lockdown experience that um, iPhones have. So when you've got your more um, assertive buyers, your drivers and your analyticals, they're really more so interested in like ROI and mm-hmm. data and stats and what is this specifically going to do for me. So it when you're creating content, <laughs> you need to have an understanding of who it is that you're trying to reach. Are you reaching more expressive people, more amiable people that are really concerned about how their decisions affect those around them? Or are you more so reaching people that are competitive, that are looking for a competitive edge, that want fast results, they want mm-hmm. proven frameworks, right? And so just the way that you speak in your content and you can frame the same piece of information in different ways, which again goes into the sales psychology of the framing effect, you can take that same information and frame it differently so that it's activating to those different types of buyers. Nice. Um, I'm actually going back to when I was in my doctoral program, we took a marketing class and we actually Mm -hmm. talked about these aspects because my doctoral program was business administration. And so you're running a business, you do have to think about marketing. And so we were looking at the marketing aspects and this is exactly what they were talking about. Um, And you've got um, like, there's, there's people out there that like, they're going to be the first person. They don't even have to know enough information. They know, they, they know enough about, um, they may know enough about your company that they trust it. And they're going to be the first one to buy the product. Or they're just kind of like, I want the new thing. I want this right now. I don't need to wait. And then there's people that are just kind of like, well, I'll let the first wave go through and then maybe I'll come in and then there's like another like couple of steps. So um, mm-hmm. I was just kind of thinking about those analogies as you were explaining that. Um, but also, mm-hmm. I think I kind of got you a little <laughs> sidetracked or I, I cut you off in the middle after you shared two of them. So what were the <laughs> other two aspects? You said there was four, right? Yeah. So you've got your you've got your expressive and amiable. So your emotional buyers. And then you've got your driver and analytical. So you're more assertive buyers. So okay, those, those are the four. And exactly what you said just now, you know, the people that want to be first in the door, they don't even know anything about the offer. They just want in. Those are your expressive buyers. They're pretty impulsive. Mm-hmm. They make quick decisions like that. And then your people that will wait for the second wave, kind of see how things play out, see what results other people get. Those are your analytical buyers. So Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, and it makes sense too, talking about that, like, it's really important to understand like are is what you have to offer something that those expressive people that are going to be the first ones in the door are going to listen and be like yes 100 i got it 
Um, Or are they going to be the ones that are kind of like, I'm going to sit and watch and listen and do a little bit of research and I'm not quite sure yet, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, is that people likely have both of those personality types in their Mm -hmm. audience. But the problem is, is that they don't know how to sell to them because Mm -hmm. the majority of people, I see it every single day on social media, they're like, I have this course. Here's what's in it. Go buy it. No one's doing that. No one's buying it from you. No one cares. They want what they're buying is the outcome, the transformation, what it can do for them. They're not buying the course. No one cares about the course. They want what it'll do for them. Yeah, it's funny because um, I have um, a really great friend. Um, She actually is the one that helped me um, come up with this concept of this, this podcast. She actually... I owe everything, not I would say everything I do to her, but she has guided me from day one of my entire business. I love her to death. Um, When I was within my first year, just trying to figure out like what I'm doing and how I'm going to do it and, you know, different things like that. I just, I just kind of was like, I felt like I was all over the place because I really didn't understand a lot of things. And she was trying to guide me and she was talking to me and, you know, just kind of mentioning, she was talking to her husband about what I'm doing and stuff like that. And he's like, the idea that she has is great, but you can't sell budgeting to people. Yeah. (laughs) Right. So like, what do you, what, 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 what else do you do? Like they need, okay. I'm sorry, y'all. I got to say this. People need to manage their money better, right? Which requires some sort of budget. And we don't want to call it a budget, but you know, you you need a money management plan. So we can't sell that to you. So how do I get to you? How do I relate to you and help you, you know, under get to that point of going, here's what you, here's what's necessary for you to accomplish what you want with your financial goals. Well, I have to dig deeper, right? Mm -hmm. I have to find out what are your pain points, Mm -hmm. right? What are you frustrated about right now? Where do you think you're struggling right now? And I've got to talk to that and help you understand that one, I get it. I've been there. Mm-hmm. I, I I know how you feel and give you some encouragement and give you some tips there. And then you're like, huh, I want to hear what else she has to say. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, exactly. And, and the thing is, is like we're – where so many people go wrong with their marketing is they just they stop there. They're like, what are the problems people have? What are the pain points? But you have to go deeper than that. As mm-hmm. as a result of those problems, what are the symptoms happening for them in their day to day? And the example I always give is like, if you're sick, you have a cough, you have a sore throat. Those are your symptoms. That's what you're aware of. But Mm -hmm. you don't know if it's strep or the flu or whatever. You don't know what the root cause is. And what most people do is they try to share tips and tricks for that root cause. But people don't know that they have that, that they need that. Mm -hmm. All they're aware of are these symptoms over here. So that's where so many people go wrong with their marketing is they're just like, here's three tips for how to do this. Here's the steps to do that. This is what you need. And it's like they don't. They're not making that mental connection, so they're not buying from you. Right. Definitely. Um, so I guess my next cut kind of question to you is, um, 
you know, once once people kind of get an idea of of this, um, what's a good strategy to just kind of get started? And I'm thinking like there are so many, and and honestly, I feel like and and you may agree, you may have more insight as to why. I feel like this um, thought process or recommendation changes often. Um, what's a good, I'd say, strategy on putting content out? Once you know what kind of content you should be putting out, what's a good strategy on like how often to put it out? So how often does it matter? Whatever you do, just do it consistently. If you're going to post consistently once a week, great. But it's better to post once a week than it is to like post six times in a day and then ghost for a month. Um, I'd rather see people just commit to what they can commit to and do it consistently so that the platform knows what to expect from them. Their audience knows what to expect from them. Um, but beyond knowing what to post and when to post it, what I always come back to is the data and the the reason that people are on social media to begin with, which is to further their financial goals. And so when you're showing up on social media, you likely have a revenue or income target in mind and you have a goal for the end of the year. You probably have a monthly goal. And so what I'm a lot more interested in is reverse engineering that goal into content so that you know exactly what you need to do, exactly what you need to post, exactly what you need to say to hit those targets. So starting with like an annual view and and working working backwards, it's like, okay, how many sales do you have to make to make that a reality? How many of each offer do you have to sell? What's your current conversion rate? How many people do you need to reach? And the thing is, is most people don't even have that information. So they're posting blindly. They're like, oh, I'm just going to post on social media and people are going to buy from me. How many people do you need to reach to hit your revenue targets? What conversion Mm -hmm. rate do you have? What conversion rate do you need? How many people can you even take on? Is your pricing and offer structure even set up to hit your revenue targets? Do you have systems that will allow you to deliver that if you actually have that lead flow come through? Right? And so I'm all about reverse engineering. So then once you have the answer to those questions and we know, okay, we need to reach this many people, we need to have, if we want to maintain an average 3% conversion rate, this is what we need to do. Currently, we're getting 200 views on our videos. So how many videos do we have to post to hit the amount of people that we need to, to be able to hit our revenue targets? And then how can we improve the performance of the individual videos to ensure that we're able to hit those targets? So then you're getting into the data analysis of the individual videos, assuming that you've done posting. Now, my thing is when you're first starting out, and I don't subscribe to the whole like post three times a day on TikTok. It's what the algorithm requires. No, 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 no. What matters is that you reach enough people to hit your revenue target and that you convert them. Now, you can do that with one video a day. You can do that with 20 videos a day. Again, it's up to you. What kind of life do you want to live? What kind of business do you want to run? What do you have time for? What do you enjoy? If you only have time for one video a day, that's fine. We need to figure out how we can increase the video performance. All of that being said, the more you post in the beginning, the faster you're going to get better at creating content. So the faster you can get to that point where you can actually post one video a day and have it perform the way it needs to. So it's a give and take. There's no set way to do it, but really 
we need data and we we need it we need around 100 videos to really be able to make some solid decisions so however long that's going to take you that's up to you but we need that data to make a decision and to really be able to set a course so that you can hit your targets that's what it comes down to so kind of what i get from that what i hear you saying is that um in the beginning you may need to post more just to get that that practice and hone things in. Um, and I I know I've I've done that. Like I did. Yeah. There was like almost a year that I was doing like TikToks ever. Uh, excuse me, reels because I hadn't moved over mm-hmm. to TikTok yet. I was doing reels like every single day. And I'll tell you, my first <laughs> my first reel. Oh my goodness! I don't even know what I was thinking. Like I. <laughs> I was standing at the stop, top of my stairs and I had the Pussycat Dolls, my hips song playing <laughs> and I jumped and I was like turning around and I was like, I don't know. It got a lot of views, but what was the point of it? Right? <laughs> like, right. And then I look back on it and I'm like, I want to delete that so bad. I really do. But like I left it there on purpose, right? Because that's how I started. Okay. Yep. And people like to see the evolution of a brand. <laughs> my hips are not my brand. Okay. <laughs> but um, it was interesting. But thank God for growth. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be where I am today. And I'm not saying I'm, I'm not in any way, shape, or form. Do I feel like I'm an expert when it comes to reels and TikToks? but I'm a heck of a lot better than I used to be. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't take me hours just to create one. I've yeah. literally spent one hour and made a good 20 like reels. And then I've figured out ways to repurpose them into other platforms as well, just because yep. of practice. Yep, exactly. And that's, that's what it comes down to. I always recommend people read the book. Um, it's called The Talent Code. Mm-hmm. And it basically talks about what it takes to create muscle memory in your brain. And I was a big fan of this book with with barrel racing, competing, and I'm still a big fan of it today because the way that I go about creating content is muscle memory. People are like, how are you able to knock out so many content? Because I can film, same as you, in an hour with, with our filming setup, I can film 40 to 60 videos in an hour, depending mm-hmm. on the length. And it's it's very simple and it is it's it's muscle memory because i've honed in the framework the filming style the structure of a video and i can just knock them out one after another but that it wasn't always that way it was an hour to create you know two or three videos it was 25 minutes just to edit and get it posted <laughs> So you know how it is when yeah. you're starting with like the you're on there with the duration for the oh. text on the screen. Oh my gosh, it takes forever. And and then suddenly it stops taking so long and people give up before they hit that point. Mm-hmm. And if they would just keep going, even if they're not getting any views, even if their content's terrible, if you just keep going, you're eventually going to see results. You post a couple hundred videos, you're going to have one that goes viral. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I ended up getting a number of them that got 15, 16, 17,000 views. And then I have videos that uh, maybe only have like 3,000 views, but mm-hmm. they've got like 250 likes. 
Yeah. And so that's the other aspect of it too. Like just because you don't have like, you know, thousands and thousands of views doesn't mean that you don't have a, I'll call it viral video. It doesn't mean you don't have great content. Like the engagement matters. I would, I, you might be, you might say something different, but to me, the engagement matters more than the number of views. I, I would agree with that. I think that, you know, I've, I've had videos that have 4 million views and I've had videos that have 2000 views and the videos that make me more money are the videos with 2000 views. Mm -hmm. We make less money when we have videos going viral, not more because it, I mean, it just clogs up your sales process basically with a bunch of randos that just found you. Right. And so like, yes, you want a certain amount of visibility, but I would rather have consistency than huge visibility. And so, and, and I mean, engagement matters to a degree, especially with Instagram when it comes to getting in front of more people because it is a relationship-centered algorithm. Mm -hmm. But I've also had videos that didn't seem to perform very well at all. The engagement was, in my opinion, horrible. And yet I had people responding to it, sending it to me in my DMs, asking how to sign up with us. Mm -hmm. So it's not always the external engagement that matters. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm also really interested in what's happening behind the scenes from those videos and how are you tracking that? Because yeah. that's what's really important. Yeah. And actually on that note, I've also had a couple of videos that, you know, I thought they were fantastic and they were pretty decent. <laughs> like we always think every single one of our videos are of like course. the top notch. Like this is going to make me go viral. Right. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> so I've had a few videos that I thought were pretty decent, put them out there and they got like 25 views yeah. or a hundred views or something like that. Right. And then I'm like, what the heck happened? And then all of a sudden, a week or two weeks later, whew, it goes yeah. crazy. And I'm like, what was that about? And when I look back at it, I, it almost seemed like it was like a couple, one of a couple of things happened, either like a handful of people all of a sudden saw it that didn't see it before and just, you know, either liked it, engaged with it somehow. And then the algorithm picked it up like, oh, we actually like something's going on with this. We should send it out to some more people yep. or it just wasn't the right time when I first put it out there. And somehow later on it was, you know, it was viewed and that was the right time for it. Yeah, exactly. Right. Well, I've had the exact same thing happen and it's always the videos that you're like, oh, I feel so good about this video. And then it flops in the beginning. Yep. But then takes off later. And the thing with social media, and it's the compound effect. Another book I'd, I recommend everyone to read. The, it, it is a compound effect because you can be posting and posting and posting and posting. And just because your videos are getting 100, 200 views, over time, if you're posting a video every day and you're getting 200, 200 people seeing a video of yours every day. At the end of the month, how many views is that? That's mm -hmm. thousands of people that have seen your content. Thousands of new eyeballs that have seen your brand. It's, yeah. I mean, it's not really something to get discouraged over. Like, just keep posting. It's not that deep. It really, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not that deep. <laughs> nope. I mean, imagine walking outside 
walking out the door and going up the street. Are you going to run into 200 people just because you walked outside? No. Probably not, no. unless you live in New York City. <laughs> yep. Okay. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I don't live in New York City. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, and not only like just it's interacting or, or seeing 200 people when you walk outside, but seeing like having 200 people walk up to you and go, hey. Yeah. Right. And well, <laughs> you know, it's funny because people have gotten so desensitized to what these view counts truly are. Mm-hmm. Because I think that people forget that prior to TikTok, if you posted something on Instagram, you were lucky if 25 people saw it, unless you had a really big audience. You were lucky if anyone besides your grandma liked your post. And now people are so desensitized. They're like, 250 people saw my post? That's garbage. You were lucky to reach 250 people in a month prior to TikTok. Like get a grip <laughs> a little bit of perspective that needs yeah. to be had in my opinion and and going back to something you said earlier about the conversion rate you said mm. it was an average of three percent mm. like i think people okay i'll say this there are a lot of influencers out there or i don't want to call them influencers there's a lot of Creators. experts creators yeah. out there that are like oh i made x number of dollars in one month by doing blah 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 right mm-hmm. yeah and they make it sound so easy and they make it sound like they're making hundreds of thousands of dollars but there's a lot of stuff they're not telling you mm-hmm. right yeah. A lot of stuff they're not telling you like how long <laughs> it took them to get to the point to be able to make that number every single month, how many mm-hmm. failures they had, um, how many sleepless nights they had trying to figure out how to get the, gr- the right videos out. Um, you know, how many people said no to their offer, you know, beforehand, right? But also like, yeah, you might be making that much right now, but that's probably not like, it may only be three, five, six percent of the people that are interacting with your account, right? Absolutely. We see people all the time, hundreds of thousands of followers, millions of monthly views, and they're on their social media talking about how they're making, oh, I'm making 10K a month. Well, I'm sorry, but for the amount of views that you have, that's trash. Your conversion rate is garbage. And so, like, you're making that amount by sure luck. What's going to happen when your videos stop going viral? There's mm-hmm. no strategy there. There's no longevity there. There's no predictability there. And, yeah, it always it, – it, it slays me when I see people with clearly millions of views. And they're like, I'm making 10K a month. You should be making 10 times that if you right. knew what you were doing. And on the flip side, there's people with only 2,000 followers that are making hundreds of thousands of dollars a month. So followers and views and all of that do not equate to money at all because Mm -hmm. you can have all the followers in the world, but if you don't know how to convert them, you're not going to be making sales. And it's the same reason why I speak out about ads is because if you don't have a strategy and an understanding of how to drive conversions, you're flushing your money down the toilet. Yes, you're getting yes. in front of people, but they're not buying from you. 
And it's the same thing with a viral video. You can get in front of millions of people and still never make a sale if you don't mm-hmm. know how to convert. I, I'm, I'd be a lot more inclined to only reach – if I was only reaching 10,000 people in a month, I could be making a hell of a lot more money than people that are spending thousands to get in front of a million people. Yeah. Because I know how to convert. And so it comes back, it comes back to the conversion rate. And it comes back to tracking because if you don't even know what your conversion rate is, you don't know if you're making a good amount of money. You don't know if you're on the right track. If you don't even know what your conversion rate is from your Instagram profile to your website and what the conversion rate on your website is, like, I don't want to hear you complain about your TikToks. Like, you're focusing on the wrong things. You don't even know what you don't know. It's frustrating. (laughs) (laughs) It's almost like we touched a nerve there. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So I want to take a few minutes and just kind of um, shift to like the how and the why you got to this point. Like like what transpired um, to put you in the position of learning this and and how did you go about learning it? Mm -hmm. So I – Honestly, it's kind of a fluke that everything happened the way it did. Um, When I was in high school, well, beyond that, before that, I had, like you mentioned in the beginning, I was diagnosed with a rare form of eye cancer. Because of that, my parents put me in therapeutic horseback riding. Um, A lot of people know it as equine therapy when I was eight. And it ended up just being something that I absolutely loved. And my parents moved and so that I would be able to have horses of my own. And um, I started barrel racing and competing in rodeo. I was rodeo queen. And because of that, I got taken just under the wing, just again, sheer luck, um, by somebody that was that was in that industry that was pretty well known. And um, she just had me take over her social media as a favor. It was one of those like, you're young you understand social media here, (laughs) see what you can do with it. And so I started doing social media management for her. And, um, she was also, this was back when Facebook and Instagram ads were a lot cheaper. (laughs) And she came to me one day and was like, Pinterest, there's, there's people on here like selling the same products that I'm selling. Like, can we, can we put our stuff on there? And I was like, let me look into it. Let me, let me figure it out. So we got her on Pinterest and within a year, we'd completely replaced her ad spend with Pinterest traffic and Listen. increased her revenue by 14%. So she now has over 300,000 followers on Instagram, hundreds of thousands on TikTok and multiple eight-figure businesses, all because of <laughs> the random high school kid that was like, yeah, I can do social media for you. And I just, I ended up being really good at it. I was just really good at it. And um, I went to college and studied software engineering. So I started designing and building websites for people. And I already had a little bit of experience doing that um, just from, again, some work that I did for her. And it just kind of blossomed into a business. I started taking on clients 
And what had happened that kind of gave me that push um, was I met my husband in college. And um, I was 18 when I met him, 19 when we got married. We got married three months after meeting. And to say that my parents were not impressed would be an understatement. (laughs) Um, They were very against it. And so I was 100% completely cut off. And I went from, like I I told you previously, I went from my parents were paying for college, for my apartment, my car, my credit cards, like everything was taken care of by them. And literally overnight, I was on my own. Never Mm -hmm. had a job, had credit card debt because they were paying it and then suddenly they weren't. I had, my parents ended up gifting us the car for a wedding present. So I can't say I had a car payment, but I did have insurance and all the things that come with like being on your own for the first time. And with no preparation and no warning, I went from everything paid for full full ride on from mom and dad to nothing. And it was like, okay, <laughs> I didn't get my allowance this month because I announced that I was getting married before that payment hit. So I actually don't have a way of paying my rent. I actually don't have a way of paying my insurance. I actually don't have a way to buy groceries. Um, And so it was literally overnight. And so my husband, he did summer sales and um, I'm really grateful for the experience that he got from that. And I ended up going out and knocking doors with him as well. And it just happened to once again, be something that I was very good at. And I loved sales. I loved it. And so while I was selling, I started taking on these website clients and using my newfound sales skills to land these website clients and to improve their websites. And then it kind of became full circle because then these clients, they needed help driving traffic to their website so that they can make money. And what I knew how to do was social media. And so I got on TikTok and I started just sharing about what I was doing and just tips and tricks and information that I had. And it just exploded. I hit 100,000 followers within a month of being on there. And that's why I shifted from service, being a service provider to consulting because I just couldn't handle the demand. And then I realized after seeing the inside of so many businesses, I was like, wait a minute, people don't need somebody else to do this for them. They need to learn how to do it so they can be self-sufficient, so that they can train their team, so that they can run their strategy and run their business and have control of their revenue, have control over their income rather than me holding the reins. So I just dove headfirst into that, started taking on -on one-on-one clients, and then it blossomed into the group consulting program that it is today. And we now have a team of experts that work alongside me. And it's just so much fun. We worked with thousands of people. And um, my husband was tallying it up, just looking at sales averages for all the clients that we've worked at with. And we've determined that since starting this side of the business in 2020, we've had over a hundred million dollar impact. Wow. Through social media. So that's that's something I'm really proud of. That is absolutely amazing. You should be proud of that for sure. Um, So, uh, so there's multiple things that I kind of got from (laughs) from what you shared there. Um, So first off, 
an opportunity was presented to you that you didn't know anything about. And instead of going, I don't know anything about that. And just be like, no, I'm good. I don't know anything about that. You were like, I don't know anything about that, but let me see if I can figure it out. Let me see if I could do some research. Like you didn't say no to the opportunity that was in front of you. Right. Yeah. Um, and then you did research, you figured it, you tried, okay, how can I figure this out? And you started, you know, figuring things out and put it into action and it worked out for you, which ended up compounding into what it is today because of other things that happened and, you know, the getting essentially cut off from your parents Yeah, was (laughs) – we don't want it. We may not want to look at it as an opportunity, but it was an opportunity because yeah, what, it was. Would you be where you are today if they hadn't done that? Would you have gone out with your husband to go and and go door to door sales with him? Would you have learned those things? Would you have mm-hmm. you know started to put your mind into those things if you hadn't been cut off by your parents? Right. So it's mm-hmm. taking the opportunity that's in front of you. And not saying no to it, no matter Mm -hmm. what it is. Like there are opportunities in front of us every single day. Which one are you going to say yes to? And and is it the right one? And we may not always know if it's the right one, but (laughs) say yes to something. Try to Mm -hmm. figure it out. Ask, you know, people, shoot. I know that Google doesn't know everything. It's not always correct, but it has a lot of information. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Information's out there if you're willing to go and look for it. And <laughs> excuse me. If there's just one thing, just one thing that people could take away from me on social media and from my brand, even if they never start a business, even if they never learn anything from me about social media or psychology, the worst thing that's ever happened to you those awful things that nobody wants to talk about the financial strain the diagnosis the bad relationships those worst things are where your power comes from yeah and so when you can lean into those things and leverage them for good i didn't want to have cancer no one wants to have cancer but because of that It opened so many doors for me. I was able to speak in front of thousands of people to share my story at different cancer foundations. And because of that, it was really easy for me to get on and talk on social media. Because of my diagnosis, I I had this door opened for me with this mentor. And you're exactly right. If I hadn't met my husband and what seemed like a really bad situation at the time of being just like chopped cut off by my parents i mean my gosh i'd probably i'd still i would have just barely graduated college i'd be taking on hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt because i thought i wanted to go to law school Mm -hmm. i'd be moving across the country i probably wouldn't be able to afford to have my horses i wouldn't even be considering investing in real estate and all the things that we've done and so it's like all of these quote-unquote negative things are absolutely the best things that have ever happened to me. You know, and I I always go back to my story. And I know this is about you. I just feel like this <sighs> super relates. Um, yeah. 
I, and I don't share, I still don't share this as much as I should. And I know it's one of those things that it's like the, I, I need to be sharing this every day because if I share this every day, like more people are going to be like, oh my gosh. Um, mm -hmm. My brother passed away when I was 17 years old. Okay. And mm -hmm. the next like year ish of my life, there was just a lot of things going on. And there was, I ended up in a situation where um, I ended up with the home that I, we sort of kind of grew up in and my mom was living somewhere else and I moved my boyfriend in and I had a roommate and my boyfriend brought his brother and his brother's girlfriend and it ended up in a complete chaotic situation to um, just kept spiraling out of control um, mm -hmm. to the point that um, I realized I was in a very mentally abusive situation and I needed to get the heck away from it. Well, the only way that I could really get away was by quitting high school halfway through my senior year and leaving the state. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the next couple of years were, you know, still trying to figure things out, but I ended up joining the military, um, which, you know, kind of changed things for me for the better. And you know, there were some not so great things, but there was a lot of better things and it just continued to evolve from there. And so eventually I went from being a, um, being in an abusive relationship to dropping out of high school halfway through my senior year to moving out of state and just kind of flailing around until I could figure out how to make my life work to now I have a doctorate degree and mm -hmm. I'm thriving. I have, a, I have multiple businesses who work full time. I'm teaching online. I'm there's, I have a podcast that I never would have thought, like I was extremely shy most of my life. <laughs> People are like, there's no way you are shy. And I'm like, no, I promise you. Like I a hundred percent promise you I was shy. Right. Like, <laughs> and so it's just taking one having determination and two, just capitalizing on whatever opportunities you can. Like the bad stuff that happens, it's happening for you, not, not to, to you. You, you. So how can you utilize that to your advantage, right? Mm -hmm. That's what I get out of that. And I also say like, like, I get that, you know, this was a like the aspect of being cut off by your parents, right? probably not a fun situation and you had no idea. I remember you saying like, I didn't even know how to pay a bill. And I'm like, yeah. yeah. So that's the piece. I'm just going to say this out and, and I'm not going to dwell on it too much, but to the parents out there that are like well enough off that you can take care of your children as they're going to college and doing things. That's great. I love that. Um, but at the same time, you also, it's important to kind of educate them and help them understand how to do these things because eventually they're going to have to do it on their own. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it it helps them be a better adult when we teach them these things. <laughs> it absolutely does. It absolutely does. And <laughs> I'm obviously not a parent, but I will say one thing that my parents did really well as I was growing up was I was exposed to extreme amounts of wealth. And I I viewed starting a business as just another avenue you could take hmm. for a lot of people the avenue is you go to college you get a job you work your way up the corporate ladder blah 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 
And starting a business is kind of other. It's something else. It's kind of scary. It's something that is kind of elusive to a lot of people. And for me, that wasn't the case. It was just another option that I had. And so for a lot of people, I recognize that a lot of people my age that when when faced with that situation, they would go get a job. Their immediate thing would not be, oh, let me just like start a business and start bringing on my own clients. Like that seems like what I'm going to do. Great. This will be fine. <laughs> and so I would say for for parents, if you can normalize as many different avenues as possible for your children so that you can remove those mental blocks. I didn't have the mental blocks of like the self-doubt and the the financial mm. concerns and the am I going to make – like am I good enough to do that? Like none of the basic things that people have to overcome when starting a business did I have. None of those. I just decided I was going to do it and I did. And so if parents could open doors for their parent for their children just mentally – so that they know what the options are and not treat it like it's something scary or other that they have to be this like select elite few to be able to accomplish, that would do people so much good. Listen, I'm just going to shout from the rooftops right now. Like that's exactly it. Like our job as parents is to help our children be successful and productive adults, right? How can you do that? Well, teach them what you didn't know. Yeah. Help them help them to not start adulthood with as many barriers as you had. Yep. And you're not going to be perfect at it, okay? You're not. But do the best that you can, right? Like I, I did the same thing with my son. And although he's still struggling a bit with some things because he is a young adult, um, he's so much, so much better off than I was at his age. So much better off. And I'm so grateful for that because like I took what I went through and I was like, okay, I want to do everything that I can not to let him go through these things. And while he's still got some challenges, which are good for him because they're, you know, they're building character. <laughs> yeah. There are certain things that he's not being challenged with. Like, like when he's got that self-doubt. I've for a number of years talked him through how to overcome those self-doubts, right? Mm -hmm. And now I see him actually putting it into practice. And I'm like, yes, because it's going to come, it's going to happen, but how do you maneuver through it, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I know that we're uh, kind of starting to run out of time here, but I want to take a couple of minutes just to kind of give you an opportunity to share a little bit about um, you know, what you, what you have to offer, um, if there's anything, any, um, anything at this point that you want to share, um, how people can connect, connect with you, all of those things. Yeah. So I'm all over the internet. <laughs> you can find me everywhere. Um, my Instagram is at Kenda.Laney. I'm on TikTok. I have several TikTok accounts, Laney Media and Kenda Laney. I have a podcast, The Social Media Millionaire. Um, it's available basically everywhere. And one thing that I would say, um, we recently launched a program that's specifically for people that are wanting to start businesses and get into the online space. It's called Virtual Launch. And if you're wanting to be an online service provider, social media manager, virtual assistant, what we do is we bring people through our certification program 
and then we're able to place the people that complete it with our clients or, or or with a client of their own. So there's some guaranteed revenue and um, income there waiting at the end of that program for those that wish to go that route. And so I know that I know that times are hard right now and I've been watching even a lot of TikToks with people talking about wanting to get into online space because they see the potential. So if you're somebody who is like, I know the possibility that's out there, um, but I just need somebody to walk me through, but I need some sort of a guarantee that's available to you. And of course, for the already existing business owners, we have programs for them so that you can actually make sales from social media rather than just randomly posting content. So we're here. We're everywhere. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, so first off, thank you for uh, one, reaching out. <laughs> thank you for coming on. Um, this has been so, so good. Um, I told uh, my audience a couple episodes ago as I started my second season that this season is about leveling up. And one of the things that I really wanted to make sure to start really capitalizing on this season was bringing on more guests that can really talk to the nitty gritty of certain areas of life. And this is one of them. Cause I have, like I said, in the beginning, I have a lot of people that listen that are um, either full-time business owners or part-time business owners. And they're like trying to figure it out. And so I want to be able to give them more insight because as they're figuring out how to run their businesses better and make more income, then they have more cash flow to work with for their personal finances. Right. Yep. So <laughs> all yep. revolves around one another. Um, so y'all, uh, you, you know, you heard her on how to connect with her and what she has to offer. I am also going to have that information in the show notes. So if you're like, oh, I didn't quite catch what she said, you don't have to worry about rewinding, just, you know, take a look at the show notes and click the links that are there. And of course you can always reach out to me as well. Um, share this episode. Somebody that, you know, needs to listen to this. Okay, so share this episode, um, subscribe, like, follow, all the things. Check me out on social media. Um, and if you're wanting to, you know, make some changes in your finances and you're like, oh, I'm just trying to figure things out, reach out to me. I've got some info that can help you. And until next time, uh, continue to uh, thrive, continue to just try uh just try your best. Just try your best. You are doing great. And I am so proud of you. Chat with you soon.